0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe.
1: Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Believe in UCLA podcast, the UCLA sports podcast on the Believe podcast network joined once again by your two hosts myself sam conan and travis reed travis how you doing man good
0: good sam we missed you last week man we missed
1: you (laughs) (laughs) yeah we we got to skip a week i I was a little busy out of town for the weekend but uh all worked out we 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 missed talking about that marquette game uh ucla men's basketball beat marquette uh pretty great defensive first half uh yeah, it slipped off a bit in a second, but overall good performance. So we'll mm-hmm. break that down. But the, the more pressing issue with uh, UCLA men's basketball and women's basketball for that matter is COVID-19, of course, uh, getting in the way. <laughs> and it's, it's, not, it's not just one game at a time now Or you blame it on someone else. This is, this is real. It's a real impact on the season. Uh, so we'll talk about that, having games canceled against Alabama State, the, the big one against North Carolina and even the upcoming game against Cal Poly on Wednesday, that was called off too. Mm. UCLA women's basketball had a big game uh, against Ohio State called off. That was supposed to be uh, the day we're recording this Sunday. So that was going to be a big one. That's not happening. So both of those teams, I know they share the same facility. Uh, they're, they're done for the next week. And uh, hopefully they'll be back and, and ready for Pac-12 play. But we'll talk about that in a little bit. I'll also be talking about a, a little UCLA football. Just had early signing day last week. Uh, some transfer additions, Dylan Gabriel from Central Florida, the big one, uh, but also some some key parts of the future and some interesting tactics Coach Chip Kelly's taking with how he's utilizing high schoolers and transfer portals. So we'll talk about all of that. Just want to say, uh, just like, subscribe, uh, turn on notifications wherever you're listening, share if you're listening. So just get the word out. Thanks so much for listening. And we'll get right into the Marquette game for UCLA. Travis, what are your general takeaways from that game? Obviously the, the, the defense at the beginning was insane. The, the numbers show it. And, uh, really it looked like a Mick Cronin team, the,
0: the Mick Cronin teams of old for a while. No, no, definitely. It felt like a Cincinnati Nick Cronin team. Um, look, I would say this, uh, Jaime, Jaime played great. Uh, you know, had double, well, I think he had a double-double. had like 24 points, um, like nine rebounds or something like that, <clears throat> or 11 rebounds, I believe, 24 and 11. And uh, I felt like he played super physical. They couldn't handle him. He was hitting jumpers. He was hitting threes. He was playing inside. Um, they, like I said, I, I felt like it was just like one of those games that UCLA had to show that they're a top-notch team top-notch teams go on the road and play anybody anywhere and beat them, you know? Um, and that, especially that week, because a, a top-10 team in Kentucky went to Notre Dame and lost. And so, like, UCLA showed that they're a top-notch, top-level team. They can they can go on the road, which was, like they said, their first true road test and won, you know, handily, pretty much.
1: Yeah, that, I think that... I forget what the score is at 33 to 10 or something. At one point, Mar- Marquette had 10 points through 17 minutes in mm-hmm. that game, which is just, mm-hmm. you, you saw guys swarming to the ball. The the rotations were the best we've seen all year. They were running around like crazy and they were rebounding really well. Uh I, Miles Johnson had had his moments before. Mm-hmm. And, and I agree that Jaime was, was the focal point of that game probably on both sides of the floor, but just looking at miles johnson in that game showing how he has has grown in this this system and Mick Cronin's system just over the course of a month was really promising cuz mm-hmm. when he first got there a, he looked a little awkward a little maybe not like physically awkward but maybe not even fit in right away he looked a little lost which is, i it's understandable. Johnny Juzang looked a little lost last November, and then he turned into a March Band hero. So it, it happens. You know, when you come into a team that, that has so many guys coming back, so many returning guys, and, and you add one piece in, and you got Peyton Watson too, but you add a piece to that, and that piece is going to be a little awkward to start. Miles Johnson's really come into his own in terms of meshing with this team. That was really good to see in that Marquette game. Uh, only seven points, but he had two blocks, eight rebounds, four were offensive. He had two assists too that's always good to get out of a big man, especially Cody Riley can usually give you a couple assists. And it's really promising that your, your other big man can do that too. when when Cody's out, like he has been so Cody Riley will be coming back soon, but it'll be really nice that Cody gets back. He's at a hundred percent when, whenever they start up play again. And now you have the real miles Johnson, Uh, he kind of hitting his stride the same time that Cody gets back. So when, When Cody does get back against Arizona, Arizona State, whenever that is, then your post guys are going to be just firing on all cylinders, hopefully. Mm
0: -hmm. No, no, I agree with you 100%. I mean, let's be honest, like Cody Wright, might have to fight for his starting job back, you know, because Miles Simon, if he keeps improving the way he's done, he's a a rapidly, because like when I first saw him uh, the first game of the season, like I said, he just, you know, he was kind of fouling a lot, he was just, he didn't really know when to score, when not to score. Um, I think when you come into a, a national powerhouse like UCLA and the fact that the team is, like, touted to be a national championship contender, you just don't want to mess it up. You don't want to be the guy that messes it up. So he, you could tell he was very timid in the beginning. But now he's starting to play a little bit better, starting to get his confidence with the team. He's been starting, you know, for the last month or so. So um side note i I, i've heard i've been told that the 30th you know is supposed to be the game you know against arizona that they're gonna you know come back to play so all right um so that's good to know some some inside
1: scoops so so a a travis bomb right here you heard it here first
0: (laughs) yeah yeah so supposedly so we'll see um but yeah like i said i really it only can help UCLA down the stretch because in the tournament You're going to need everybody on all cylinders. You're going to need, you know, everybody clicking on all cylinders by the time the tournament comes. If they want to make a magical run like they're supposed to uh, this year, like they did last year.
1: Yeah. And addition by subtraction maybe sounds like the the wrong phrase to use here. But when guys go down and you have other guys come up and step up in, in their place, they're better off taking on those extra minutes and learning by playing. So when I mean, you saw it happen last year, losing Jalen Hill was really rough, especially in the beginning. When you lose him for that USC game, Cody, Cody's hurt and has that ankle injury. You get obliterated in that USC game. And when Cody comes back, he's taking on a much bigger role because Jalen Hill's out. Uh, and he ended up being out for the rest of the year. But by the time you get to March, Cody Riley is looking the best he had in three-plus years at UCLA because he, he was kind of – Forced into that role. So, Miles Johnson, similar kind of situation. Cody's been out for a month pretty much. He's Mm -hmm. had to step up and he's at this point, past few games, he's averaging pretty much like nine, nine and two and a half for like that's, that's all you want. That's all you need. And then Mm -hmm. Cody back to that. That's great. I just want to come around to Tiger Campbell too, who I think UCLA is somewhere around top 10, top 15 in the country in assist to turnover ratio. Obviously, a lot of it has to do with Tiger. Uh, he's that that's kind of been his calling card for three years now. Uh, just sometimes he'll go through stretches where maybe he doesn't put up a lot of stats on the box score, but he'll get a, he'll get a hockey assist here and there kind of secondary assist, but either way, he's not turning the ball over. And I think having a a key piece of your offense like that, uh, really helps everyone else as well, obviously as a distributor, but also just being a, a constant in the offense is, is comforting, I think, for the guys on that team. And and now he can shoot, too. So that's nice to have.
0: <laughs> no, no, he's always been a great uh, – he took care of the ball, was very, very good with the, you know, the sister turnover ratio. Uh, Tigers, you know, I think, you know, in my opinion, was the top guards in the country. Um, you know, I think that he's, he gets overlooked by having the best, you know, you know forward combo in Juzang and Jaime because they I think that's the best combo in the country in my opinion, you know what I'm saying as well. So he gets overlooked by them too, but I I I do feel that he's just a great you need a point guard like him to win cuz he's not going to he's not going to beat you. Like um I'll give you a perfect example. Uh North Carolina, you know, uh, Kentucky played them Saturday. And literally the guards killed North Carolina. Now North Carolina has a lot of talent. And the guards couldn't handle Kentucky's pressure, so just basically Kentucky guards just destroyed them <laughs> the <Yep>. whole game. <laughs> it was it was just, you know, like, you know, it, it was crazy. So, uh, by the way, I think they would have beaten North Carolina by 20. I just to put oh, now.
1: yeah, looking at that for sure. That was <laughs> ugly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: I think they would have beat them easy. Um, but, you know, like that's a big, big component for, for college basketball, especially in March Madness, having great guard play.
1: Yeah, I think that's definitely big. I just, I kind of want to get your two cents on this, Travis, where uh, having, being a kind of wing post player that that, that you were, obviously you're not handling the ball, but when you have a guy out there who can be such a, a constant, like reliable guy at the point, how much does that help you and the other guys playing off the ball? I mean, obviously you play with some good point guards at UCLA, but just in general across your, your whole career.
0: Oh, man, I, I will tell you this, having, uh, you know, a great point guard, you're relaxed because you feel like as a big man, you don't have to help him all the time because you figure like if a guard, a point guard is a great defender, you don't have to always like look to help whoever, whoever is this guy's guard. I got to help, you know, or if he's a, you know, a guy who's a, a, a pass first guard, you're always looking like, okay, he might pass me the ball. You know, I played with, you know, two great point guards at UCLA with Baron Davis and Earl Watson. Um, and we knew that most of the time nobody had the point guard, uh, point guards that we had, you know, with them two, because uh, Baron was the exciting, aggressive, athletic uh, guard, probably the the best in the country, to be honest, at the time. Um, and we knew there was no not too many point guards that could even handle him, let alone play with him. And Earl was just a steady, steady point guard that always, you know, just played hard. Made no, you know, made, made few mistakes. Rebounded, did the, just the hustle plays uh, to make him, you know, one of the top guards in the country too. So yeah, it's it's a it's a great thing because you don't have to worry. Like you could tell the frustration from the North Carolina big men <laughs> with the guards they had because the guards turned the ball over, turned the ball over, getting beat off the dribble. And you're just like, oh, my God, dude, like, come on, you know, <laughs> like, you know, you need to come on handle the ball. Don't turn it over. You know, like it's it's a great help as a as a as a wing forward. Tr- trust me.
1: Yeah. I, and it, it shows for this UCLA team. I mean, they, they, they do well when Tigers and out there because they've had this group a lot, around long enough mm-hmm. where they can kind of teach guys like Jaime or Jules to kind of control the offense. But Tiger really seems like the the key guy in there. It's, it's, it's nice to see when he's out there and things run really well, obviously. Mm-hmm, and uh, mm-hmm. with that, I think we'll move on from the Marquette game. At this point, when we're talking about it, has been a while. Uh, but it is the most recent UCLA game that there's been because, uh, well, COVID-19. You got Mick Cronin went into COVID protocols on Wednesday uh afternoon and then they, at the time they said the the Alabama state game that night was still on to be played about an hour before tip off i was i was already halfway there i get the text to get the email like oh no no it's off so that game got canceled just out of precaution and then it comes out you know the the women's basketball game thursday night gets canceled a couple hours before tip off and then friday morning UCLA men's get they get their their, their game canceled and Saturday in Vegas and then I guess it was yeah yesterday morning Saturday morning uh the men's team canceled the Cal Poly game it's coming Wednesday women's canceled two more games the Ohio State and I think it was Bakersfield was the other so these mm-hmm. games are just disappearing absolutely <laughs> gone I know a few have been canceled and some have been not played as scheduled we'll see if they can even put some of them into the schedule but at this point by the time they're healthy and everything conference play is going to be starting up so th- there probably won't be time to wedge any of those in maybe maybe Cal Poly you can fit that in just cuz they're somewhat local they're, they're they're nearby who knows if there's a gap in a schedule maybe but at this point i think it's just well okay clean our hands and move on to conference play wait this out uh, I, so I, I, let me do the math here the, so the the Colorado game is december 1st and then that coming weekend was supposed to be the Washington game. That was canceled and mm-hmm. gave them 10 days off before that Marquette game. They came out. They look, they look great. Obviously that first half was the, the best defense we've seen in the Cronin era and mm-hmm. slipped a little bit in the second, like we were saying, but overall good performance. Uh, and then, so I forget what the date was on that. So I guess the 11th and then they're not going to play again until December 30th. So they're going to go from December 2nd to December 29th this is pretty much four weeks having played one game, which mm-hmm. is just bizarre, uh, just <laughs> in the, the modern college basketball landscape. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't know, Travis, wh- what do you think of such a long break? How, how could that affect them? Is that well, kind of knock them off the rhythm or give them time to heal bumps and bruises and get back to full
0: strength? What do you think? Uh, probably a mix of both, you know, okay. get back to full strength. But like one Cronin, no Coach Cronin, they're beating, the, probably beating the hell out of each other in practice every day. Cause he wants you know he, he wants to play a certain way, and they're probably like, God, let's have a, a, a game against somebody else. I'm sick of getting beat up at practice. Um, I remember the times if we would have a week off or something like that, or two weeks, or whatever, we have no games. Practice was always brutal because it was no games, it was not, yeah. you know, and so practice two, three hours, probably three hours more. Brutal practices where just physical, hard play, hard fouls every day. And then by the time you play the game, you're like, it's like an animal with with a stake, you know, in front of him. You're going (laughs) to bite bite the hand off because you just want to play somebody else, anybody else but yourself. So with them having basically a month off of playing one game, I think the Arizona game is a gift and a curse because obviously Arizona has been playing. And they're undefeated, you know, eleven and zero. Uh, and they've, you know, they won, you know, in in Illinois and you know they they beat they beat some other good quality teams. I think it's going to be interesting to see uh, how UCLA uh, is physically and how they are as far as uh, stamina, you know, because adrenaline is going to be pumping. You know, that's your first game back in a month. Arizona's probably going to be top five, top ten. UCLA is going to be top five. It's going to be just, it's going to be just an insane, I think, game. It's going to be, you know, it's going to be interesting to see, like I said.
1: Yeah. And it's obviously a really complicated situation just because of vaccinations and testing and quarantine. So, so they're not practicing right now, but now it, it seems like when are they going to get back to practicing? Because it's not like you can go into that game. Completely wrong. Yeah, yeah, because that, I mean, you could, it just probably wouldn't go very well. I don't know if that they would be willing to do that, if that's possible. I I don't know. I don't think so. Yeah. So, so, so you have December 15th was when Cronin entered protocols. And then uh, you, at this point, so the the initial reports were that they were going to keep playing because no one else had entered protocols and then they, they don't play that first game because of precaution, and then they end up canceling the, the next two. So mm-hmm. presumably other people on the team entered protocols. So assuming they're all vaccinated, which uh, for students you have to be, and for the coaching staff you have to be, you could submit a waiver or something. We don't know if if someone's unvaccinated, but mm-hmm. let's say they're all vaccinated. Let's say another player tested positive or something on, on Friday the 17th. You got to wait 10 days before everyone can come on back. And that's December 27th. So, and you got a couple days of practice. So that's, that should be enough. But I mean, you're, they're going to be making up for lost time in those practices too. So uh, it won't be a normal practice. It, it'll be a weird schedule, a weird situation for sure.
0: No, it will be. Look, let me tell you something. What's happening probably right now, but they're not, they're not going to talk about it is that some coaches or some, I guarantee the players are shooting. You know, some players are going to the gym, shooting either by themselves, most likely with a coach, uh, you know, maybe not two or three coaches, but at least one coach is rebounding while you shoot, you know, um, like a Juzang or, you know, a Tiger, all, you know, I mean, they're probably over all shoot. Now, they're not shooting together, but they're probably shooting individually. I know they're working out lifting, um yeah they're not they're i guarantee they're not just chilling they're not just like not doing anything right now i know it's not practice it's not the game but they're not just sitting there doing nothing i can promise you that
1: yeah and and i think it was maybe friday that i saw it on 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 johnny's instagram he put on his story of him doing a a personal workout with, with someone else someone like not a, a team employee or coach or anything, but mm-hmm. just with his, his personal staff, who he mm-hmm. typically mm-hmm. does stuff with in the off season, he'll post videos. So I don't know if that video was from that day or if it was just some hype hype video or something or whatever it was, but maybe he's getting, he's one of the guys who's not in protocol and he, he's going out and, and he's practicing with personal trainers and stuff, but, but yeah, anyone who's not, um, if they're all vaccinated, who knows if any of them are actually symptomatic or really sick or just positive tests. But, uh, yeah, I, it's probably safe to say most of them are are doing doing something in some capacity, whether it's mm-hmm. on team time or not.
0: Mm-hmm. No, no, definitely right now. Like they can't afford to sit out a month without doing anything, you know. So they I guarantee the coaches are probably like calling them, hey. You want to come shoot or something? You want to go one <laughs> to the weight room? What? Tell me, you know, I guarantee it. Like I said, uh, you're not going to be just sitting around. You're not going to be just sitting around just doing nothing. I can promise you that. Yeah.
1: And it's, it kind of raises an interesting question. Cause like you said, you, they, you can't afford to just sit around at this point. Cause you're going to be starting up conference play. You have <laughs> games that matter for the standings, for seating, for the tournament. It really does matter. But because of, of testing, which i I mean, this is a pandemic. I get it. Uh, Certain teams at a disadvantage, but we don't know who's symptomatic. We like the, maybe the PAC 12 or maybe the NCAA changes their, their standards for, for what, how they do testing or how often to either test more often to, to kind of isolate these before they turn into team outbreaks or less often because asymptomatic, blah, blah, blah. I know the NFL and NBA are tweaking with that kind of stuff. So we'll we'll see how it goes it's i mean i'm not a doctor i don't <laughs> i don't know i don't know these things at all <laughs> mm-hmm. I, mm-hmm. I i i don't know it is what no, it is no, and, it's going to be it's, we'll like,
0: it's going to be interesting to see what happens uh, especially with like i said the, you know cuz the nfl and the nba they've suffered greatly because of this you know like protocol and what holiday season right who are you going around your family mm-hmm. family from all over right Everybody has these big Thanksgiving dinners or Christmas dinners. Uh, You know, you got your uncle from Memphis, your auntie from Atlanta, your uncle from South Carolina. You know, like these are all people like are flying in and driving in or whatever. And you're not wearing face masks around your family. You know
1: no <laughs> so, yeah yeah because yeah you get inside and you're like oh no it's fine but yeah it's, it's my it's, cousin but you don't just, know just as likely to have COVID as someone at, at <laughs> McDonald's or whatever you yeah, don't know exactly
0: <laughs> that's the problem I think uh the issue is what happens when you when you're an athlete and they say okay shut it down go home when you're at home you're around people that you don't know they can't control because you don't know where they're going you know yeah. at least at the NBA you you know was around but or NFL but you know, like, I, I wouldn't be surprised if, say, the 30th, the game got canceled because of the test is going to happen after Christmas. Uh, but we'll see. Like I said, I know that, like I said, conference play is a big thing in Arizona. Uh, being where they're ranked are right now, where UCLA is ranked, it would be a huge money-making game. It just would. And I don't know if UCLA will want to not, you know, miss out on that opportunity, the fact that they haven't played in so long.
1: Yeah and this the the omicron that that whole thing starting up could make things worse but at this point probably won't have a huge countrywide shutdown the way you did back in, in early 2020 but i don't know i just hope that they don't they don't end up coming to the conclusion that they have to bar fans from from coming to places oh, cuz yeah, that would that be would... that's that's worst case cuz assuming that this December 30th game against Arizona gets played you want there to be fans there and you're, you're hosting, you only get to host them once a year, sometimes not even every year. So uh, Mm -hmm, that mm -hmm. UCLA, Arizona game is always a big one. And I don't know, without fans would be a little sad, but I mean, I'd get it if the, if the right people making the right decisions, if, if they say that's right, but I just, I really hope it doesn't go that way. Agreed. Agreed. So with that, let's move on to our last topic of the day. Just doing some catch-up work pretty much on UCLA football. Uh, They added some recruits on the first day of the early signing period. Had 11 guys sign. Chip Kelly talked about them, introed them. Uh, Team sent out a statement. We were all watching that closely when that was coming in. And then they added a couple transfers too. They had Duke receiver Jake Bobo. Uh, He committed on Tuesday. Uh, great name, by the way. Jake, Jake Bobo. Awesome. And then <laughs> and then a the, uh, couple of days later, later in the week, they had UCF quarterback Dylan Gabriel commit. Uh, he was a guy who put up big numbers uh, at UCF in 2019, 2020. Uh, was, was among statistically the best quarterbacks in the league, whether it was yards per game or passer rating or uh, yards per attempt, completion percentage. Over the past three seasons, he's been among the, country's leaders in a bunch of different categories changes year to year but he's a really good guy it seems like so obviously he's a big name to keep an eye on but overall travis what, what are your impressions from the guys coming in and who do you think is going to be the standout guy or who who will make an impact either right away or in the future
0: well we got to start with the quarterback uh um, yeah yeah you know, because like he has the ball in his hands the most with that, if if he's coming in, it just means like like I said, I could be wrong, but I would be shocked if if uh, you know D D D uh, quarterback doesn't uh, leave, you know. Yeah, um, I, I yeah like, DTRs. I feel like. I don't
1: know if if Dylan Gabriel was talking to him or, or was just getting a read on the situation, but it's it's not like Dorian's gonna say, "Oh no, like Dylan Gabriel is coming back. I I can't come back." It's it's more likely he had kind of let it slip and let people know that he wasn't coming back. And that led to UCLA going out to look for a quarterback. Yeah,
0: Probably. Like I said, I, I, we talked about it before. I think that uh, this year is kind of a lesser quarterback year Uh, as far as college prospects. It's not too many. Uh, I think uh, he would, he would definitely be uh, one of the top better ones, you know, to be honest out of this year, like it's not too many quarterbacks that had as good a season as he did. And plus I think he's going to leave because you know, you went eight and four, possibly nine and four after after the twenty eighth. Uh, it's one of the best seasons UCLA had in a long time. It's hard to repeat that because, like we talked about, how you know UCLA didn't really beat uh, a lot of quote unquote great teams, but they beat all the mediocre teams they played. So, how many of those mediocre teams are going to be next year? You know, uh, we don't know. So, you don't chance it to me if I'm a if I'm a college player. You don't chance it uh, to come back and possibly get heard and do what Mac Barkley did. You just, you roll and go. And just, when you're hot, he's hot, go.
1: Yeah. And it's not like, well, he's what, a quarter, maybe two, if that away from getting his degree. So he's spent plenty of time here. He's got all the coaching you can need. So people always say like, Oh, stay, get better. Like, uh, you kind of are where you are. If you're, if you're hot and you're looking good, you know, what, what's another year going to do for you really? So I, I, I was looking at the stats actually kind of comparing him to Josh Rosen, who when he was here, won some games early, but then kind of fell off was a mediocre 500 quarterback, but statistically it was good. Scouts liked him and he went number 10 overall Dorian Came here was was on some bad teams, uh, put up some mediocre numbers, and then ended up putting up great numbers on an above average team uh, this year. So it's good for him. If you just look the the last sixteen games of Rosen's career, so pretty much his sophomore, junior year, his second and third years as a starter, uh, he had like sixty two percent completion, eight point four yards attempt, uh, like five percent touchdown percentage, two percent picks. Uh, and about 144 passer rating, I and mean, he went nine and eight. And then DTR about 63 completion percentage, 8.4 yards attempt, uh, about eight percent touchdown percentage, two percent interception percentage, and 155 passer rating. So all pretty much exactly on par or better as Josh Rosen. But DTR has gone he's gone ten and six in his last sixteen, mm-hmm. and and uh, sorry Rosen went nine and eight in his last seventeen. So we'll see what. DTR does in, in that 17th game, but statistically in terms of production and winning it seems pretty similar to Josh Rosen. So Rosen leaves early and he goes number 10 overall. Doran shouldn't, shouldn't he also go? I mean, Look, not, not that he'll be the number 10 pick, but it, I mean, it, class, it would make sense for him to go in this class now.
0: for quarterbacks in this class for quarterbacks. Got to be, got to be, like I said, it's it's not a strong clash uh, for quarterbacks. So, you know, he had D D has to go. Um, Right, yeah, like I and I
1: think um, the, the Dylan Gabriel thing is interesting. Yeah, um, because yeah. not not only because what it means for DTR, but also what it could mean for mm. Ethan Garbers. Because yes. uh-huh. we we're looking this season when he came in last offseason. You, you look at Garbers and you say, "Oh, okay, he's the he's the heir apparent." Not that he's some great, amazing five star guy is going to go number one, but it's kind of looked at as he's the next guy. Well. Probably not anymore because Gabriel probably doesn't commit here if he doesn't think he's going to be the starter. So it'll be a competition, but it, it seems like Gabriel thinks he's gonna win that starting job. And then who knows what happens with with, with Garbers because you have Justin Martin coming in, the, the the big freshman who signed on Wednesday, who's pretty good from from Inglewood. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. with eligibility, with transfers, I mean, garbers are already transferred once, so you can't transfer automatically in that one year. Again, if he wants to do it a second time, it's an interesting situation they're going to have in that quarterback room. I don't know.
0: Well, look, if you're, like I said, it's, it's, uh, when you're a transfer, it's transfer coming in, you, you're looking to start, you know, that's just, let's just be honest. Uh, it's like a person that comes from JC, uh, you know, or like when I transferred from Long, from UCLA, to Long Beach State, I didn't, I wouldn't have left UCLA to go to Long Beach State to come off the bench. I was coming yeah. off the bench at UCLA. So I'm, <laughs> I'm coming in to start you know? And like, my coach didn't tell me I was going to do that, but he, you know, you knew that I was coming in to play, coming in to start. So um, the quarterback is coming in to start, you know, like he's not coming in uh, to be a backup. I just, I feel bad uh, for the freshman because he wasn't bad. He played good this year in segments, you know? Uh, You know, the funny thing is like, you know, he played in, in Utah and everybody was like, oh, that was an okay loss. I'm like, Who beat Utah? Utah beat everybody. Utah destroyed Oregon twice, you know? So I think that, uh, like I said, I think with him, it's going to be interesting to see because, look, you got the transfer coming in, and then you got the big recruit coming in next year. Uh, I think uh, Chip Kelly's playing for his coaching spot for extension, so he's like, look, I got to win. So I can't be chancing it. I got to come in and some people who I know are ready to play. And uh, that's what he's doing with these transfers. If you notice, he, every year now he's going to probably do the same thing. Um, and oh, side note also, the fact that Oregon hired uh, the, the defensive coordinator for Georgia means yep. that we we are with the new era. <laughs> it's the same era. That's not you know Chip Kelly the, ain't going the, nowhere. The second
1: the second uh, the second era of this single Chip Kelly era. Yeah, but... we he's not going nowhere. Hey, he hasn't signed that extension yet. I think I don't, his agent is playing hardball. UCLA is probably not budging. I don't know. They they offered an extension before Oregon made its uh, official decision with Dan Lanning. So he could have seen that offer and said, okay, I'm going to really go after this Oregon job and, and taking it or whatever. Right? We know we took a phone call from them. That's it. We don't know how far it got. But it seems like he preferred UCLA over Oregon. That was his decision. And now he's playing hardball UCLA. Who knows? I mean, this this might go on for a while. And then if you get to that January 15th date, and, and then either side can can walk away with, with no money lost or anything. Oh, that'd be insane if it got to that, but just wild. And and that also sets up the, the recruiting timeline because I mean UCLA couldn't really afford to lose chip to oregon because that would have been what four days before the the early signing period so if that happens then you had a bunch of guys decommit but luckily for them in in terms of the the very short term chip didn't go and uh, those 11 guys all signed you got justin martin you got uh the the stanford uh kamari uh ramsey who flipped on, on tuesday the day before he's really good uh, the two tight ends Jack Peterson Carson Ryan, the other Inglewood guys Clint Stevens DB and uh, Tamari Harding running back uh, you get some good guys in this class and you don't really want to lose them just to go into another unknown so I understand why they offered chip the extension when they did and, and they're they're probably ultimately glad he didn't jump ship for Oregon because that w- really would have screwed him in the short term. <laughs>
0: Well, no, I, that would have been the. Oh, okay. So we got now we got to find another new coach, another new system. Recruits are going to decommit. Yeah. Uh, it's not
1: like they had that many commits to begin with. I mean, 12 commits is a pretty small class. You only got 11 to sign. And then how many decommit if Chip is left? So I don't know. You're working with like maybe five guys coming in and then, and you're really done.
0: No, that's what I said. And now imagine if five of those guys all go to SC.
1: Yeah. Because, yeah, your loss is someone else's game in, in terms <laughs> yeah, so. of recruiting. So it, it's it's more than just uh, we, we we struck out in a guy, oh, well. It's like, oh, mm-hmm. if you strike out in a guy, he's going to go play for Lincoln Riley. So uh, that hurts. I, no, I will no. say that just o- overall, the, the guys they've brought in, I'm really intrigued by this, this offense next year because, I mean, like, like we said, Dorian's probably going to the draft. Mm-hmm. Zach Charbonnet is probably going to the draft. You got mm-hmm. the offensive lineman, the, the tackles, Alec Anderson, Sean Ryan, maybe probably going to the draft. Kyle Phillips, Greg Dulcich, probably going to go to the draft. Because especially when Dorian's not coming back and you might have a rebuilding year as an as a offensive threat like that, what are you going to do? You're, you know your numbers are going to be worse. There's no point in coming back. So you're pretty much just gutting your entire offense. Britton Brown can't come back. He's, he's all out of eligibility uh so you bring in okay dylan gabriel's new quarterback running back i don't know they don't is it gonna be is it gonna be tamarian harding true freshman from inglewood who knows it could be a, a unknown transfer who they end up bringing in it could be uh deshaun Myrtle, who is a, a freshman this year from from alabama he was a good recruit but didn't see the field at all this year maybe he's your new running back and chip kelly loves his running back so they're gonna need a, a workhorse or something and then outside receiver. You got Jaden Marshall coming in. He's a really good recruit. You got Jake Bobo from Duke tight end. You got the two guys replacing uh, Greg Dulcich. So it'll be a complete new look. It could be horrible, but I'm still interested to see it just because these past few years has been very similar offense in terms of play calling and personnel. They're going to have to switch things up next year. They don't really have a choice. I think it'll be really fun to watch. It could blow up. It could be crap. It could be awful, but I'm just interested i'm intrigued these are some interesting guys interesting pieces and i want to see what they do with them
0: it's going to be very interesting very interesting i'm really intrigued at what happens with the team um first i want to see if they can win you know against a good team on the 28th right Yep. but but uh like i think you know these next three months you know finish out december november february i mean january february Because that's the next, the big signing period for pretty much everybody else. It's going to be so interesting to see for UCLA's future, you know, and if they keep Chip Kelly, you know, signing, signing extension, whatever the case is, it's going to be interesting to see where the football future goes in these next three months. Because I think you'll have all your questions, you know, within these next three months.
1: Yeah. And obviously with the extension, that's a big one who is an early enrollee from this class. Is Justin Martin going to come in before Dylan Gabriel does? And, and does he kind of shine and, and beat someone out for a backup job? Not that he'd start right away, but if he's getting first, second team reps in spring ball, then that's big for him mm-hmm. just in terms of getting the reps. So that'll be interesting. What happens with Jerry Azanaro, his defensive coordinator? Is that part of the extension talk? Is, that, is Martin Jarman saying, Hey, Chip, we love to have you. Just don't bring your, your friend who's bad <laughs> at his job. So we we don't know. And maybe that's not part of the extension, but he signs it and he fires him anyways. Who knows? This is a, a very interesting couple of weeks, couple of months coming up here. Obviously, the holiday bullets against NC State. That'll be a very interesting game in its own right. And we'll talk about it a little more next week. Mm-hmm. But there are a lot of storylines going on with this team. And it, like you said, a lot of question marks that, that need answers because yeah, yeah. It, it's a it's a weird time.
0: Yes, I would definitely say when your school is in transition, uh, it could go one way or the other. You know, and I think, like I said, if Chip Kelly decides to stay, that's good for stability. Right. Because now there is no other great coaches that's going to leave to come to UCLA. They're not, you know, all the coaches that was going to do anything has already done it. And all the other coaches who we thought were going to do anything, they got re signed. You know, I think Chip Kelly, what he sees is the contracts that these coaches are getting. What, what, uh, Lincoln Riley just got, you know, from SC, a hundred million dollars. But Brian Kelly just got from LSU, a hundred million dollars or 95 or whatever it was. The guy from Penn State, got a 10 year extension. God, if Michigan State gets a 10-year extension, you know, like, to me, he's saying, like, you can't give me seven or six, <laughs> you know? And SC's probably like, no, I mean, SC, UCLA's probably like, no, we'll give you four, maybe three. And he's like, no, I probably want seven, you know? Um, I just feel like, you know, stability is a good thing, but, you know, UCLA, you know, egos on both sides, coaches and, and, and administrations so yeah it's gonna be interesting interesting
1: to see when it comes to the extension talks i would have to bet that the holdup isn't just exclusively money like salary but more so the buyout the buyout structure the buyout amount if it's if it works both ways what that whole deal is length is going to be a big deal obviously you see these guys getting 10-year extensions you see always like Dude, we were like <laughs> one game away from firing you. Why would we give you an eight-year extension? You're getting like two with the two with the two-year option or something. Exactly.
0: Exactly. And he's saying,
1: exactly. "No, I, I'm I'm Lincoln Riley's equal. If we're both college football coaches in Los Angeles, give me ten years." <laughs> and I think that's probably the sticking point. But UCLA wants the flexibility where if they want to, they can fire him next year.
0: <laughs> yeah. Because yeah,
1: that yeah. is. If he is not an eight-win team next season with an easy schedule, which also came out this week, if he's not, if he doesn't get eight wins, you probably fire him next
0: year. That's so what I'm saying. if you I know
1: think- that's a high possibility, you're not going to give him the $50 million buyout. You're not doing that. You're not giving him a 10-year deal. You can't.
0: You know, you cannot. You cannot. And so the problem, like I said with Kelly, is like, I just gave you a winning season this year. I'm on a high note. You know, I could possibly get you nine wins. Um, I beat UCLA. I mean USC. You know, like I think he's probably saying, like, look, I've done all this stuff, so I'll at least give me a seven or eight. You know, I don't think he wants the ten. I don't think he think he's gonna get a ten. But let's yeah. just say a seven or eight. But you see, UCLA is probably saying we'll give you, like you said, a two plus two or a three and a buyout or uh, okay we'll give you eight years but after three you can we can buy you out and fire you or something, uh, it's yeah, like,
1: or something. yeah 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 you can have a 10-year deal if you want but uh how about two guaranteed years the rest is fugazi whatever
0: exactly exactly <laughs> and that's like they uh the you know ucla wants to give them the football contract like the football nfl like, yeah the
1: nfl contract yeah sure. yeah like
0: with, oh it's 100 million but how much is how much is the guarantee oh okay, 20 okay <laughs> 25 perfect. perfect yeah And so I think, you know, that's what's going on, like the back and forth of why he hasn't signed the extension. I guarantee you that. Yeah.
1: So hopefully by the time we we do this next week and moving forward, we'll get some answers on those questions, whether it's Chip's contract, the quarterback situation, who's going to the draft. There's a lot to talk about with this team coming up. And hopefully at that point, UCLA men's basketball will be back on the court too. So unless something goes terribly wrong, which – It very easily could. (laughs) We'll be talking hoops coming up again, too. So that's all we have for this week's episode of Believe in UCLA. Thanks so much for listening. Again, like, subscribe, share, uh, turn on notifications. No, we missed last week, but every Monday morning, we'll have a new episode talking UCLA sports. So keep an eye out for those. If you want uh, to see those online or just any other UCLA content on any UCLA news commentary. Uh, it's recruiting, football, baseball, softball, gymnastics, men's basketball, whatever. You can go over to uh, the site I run over at All SI All Bruins. You can follow me on Twitter. There, uh, Sports Illustrated's UCLA site. Uh, you can also follow me on Twitter at Sam Conan. Travis, where can people follow you and find your work?
0: Pretty much, uh, I have you know the other show, An Athlete's Journey, on on the Believe Network as well. Um, you can check that out. You, I think you you really you really like it. I interviewed uh, most recent interview was Chris Johnson, former nice. UCLA, former UCLA Bruin. Um, like I said, the athlete's journey. But you can follow me on uh, Travis W Reed uh, on Instagram at Travis W Reed uh, Instagram and uh, Travis W Reed on Facebook. I post all my social content of what I'm doing as far as shows or anything like that on my social media pages. So you can check that out. Like I said, uh, at Travis W. Reed, uh, on Instagram. Nice. Good to know.
1: So with all that
0: done, thanks so much for
1: listening. Come back next week. Appreciate it. And we'll see you later. Peace.